0: Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with composer Joseph Trapanese about his work on films like Tron Legacy, The Greatest Showman, and the Disney Plus live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp. Despite hailing from Jersey City, New Jersey and only being 35 years old, composer Joseph Trapanese has rapidly ascended to join the ranks of today's most exciting composers. Due in no small part to the composer's work with such musical luminaries as French Electronic Axe, M83, and Daft Punk, the latter of which he helped compose the massively successful score for Tron Legacy. Along with his work composing scores for films as diverse as the live-action Disney remake of Lady and the Tramp or musical The Greatest Showman, Trapanese seemingly defies categorization. It's a fascinatingly broad selection in a very short time, and so we were very excited to get the chance to speak with Trapanese about his career up to now. Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. I, I really appreciate it. Like,
1: um, Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: I'm, I'm really curious. I think right off the top, because I was every once in a while, uh, well, frequently when I talk to composers or actors or music, you know, whomever, I kind of have to explain to my wife like who people are because she's not like as deeply enveloped in this world as I am. <laughs> and so I, she's like, I, I don't know that name. I'm like, okay, well you you know that the M eighty three album? Like the the we went when we went and saw them on the 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 tour for uh you know Hurry Up or Dreaming? She's like, Yeah I was like, you know the intro? Yeah. I love that piece. Well he orchestrated that piece. Oh <gasps> Oh my god. My question <laughs> So my first question is how does a uh musician uh who does in composer who does film scores get and grew up in New Jersey hook up with like two of the biggest electronic inspired bands out of France?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that question because you know that's exactly the way I put it in my mind. I'm just I'm just a kid from Jersey City what the I have no right doing any of this but you know I think I think the funny thing is you know like years ago I remember you know going to school and learning about music going to music conservatory just kind of really putting in all this time to try to become a musician and one of the tough things about Music conservatory for me was there was always this talk about style. What's your style? It's so <laughs> important you have a style. And I, you know, I'm 18. I don't know what style is. I'm not, I have no idea. You know what? I have no. I, I you know, I'm still developing a taste. And you know, I don't come from a musical family. So you know, for me, I, it was so exciting to learn about music. And I think that led to me just being so naturally curious about music. And I think you know what I found for me, style is really a development of what your loves and passions are so for me my love and loves and passions were the orchestra i grew up watching films uh listening to film music so falling in love with with classic film scores which obviously use a lot of orchestra so i naturally wanted to um wanted to learn about the orchestra but at the same time you know, when I was younger, you know, it was kind of the advent of the home studio, you know, all of a sudden you could make music on your own. And so I wanted to get my hands on with music and what music could you make on your own? It was electronic music. You know, you could have a computer and make a beat or or you know, work with a synthesizer and and make, you know, make electronic music. So I was very into producing electronic music just by myself in my bedroom. And so when I went to, you know, Music Conservatory in New York, which is very classical, uh, classically oriented, learning about Bach and Beethoven, you know, that sort of thing. I was always the black sheep because, yes, I'd be learning about <laughs> Bach and Beethoven, but then I'd go down into the basement and like play with synthesizers all night, you know? So, um, you know, I think ultimately what led me to hook up with these artists was um, not that I was, you know, the. Um, let me think how to put it. What led me to hook up with these artists was that I had a certain skill set that helped translate. Uh, what they were doing to the orchestra because I had such a tremendous love and respect for what they did in the studio with electronics um, that, you know, that 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 there was a deep love and respect of that. So that naturally made me a good collaborator because I was always, um, you know, there are a lot of people who come from an orchestral background who don't necessarily respect that sort of music. So for me being curious and excited, and I think that it, it really is a testament to just kind of me as a person, I'm just naturally curious um, and eager to collaborate. And so that really led to these these interesting these interesting opportunities where I get put in the studio with these amazing musicians who you know you're right. that's exactly how I think it I'm, I'm this, this kid from New Jersey. How did this happen? But I just happen to have this skill set that actually works really well for exactly that type of collaboration.
0: Well, I mean, it, it does stand a reason because I mean, these are these are both artists like who even prior to you working with them, did big, like their albums, like especially in the case of um, M83, like Saturday's Equal Youth is very much a concept album that is built around the idea of like 80s teen movies. So like that that seems to like already have like a cinematic, lean to it, even if it's not, you know, film score type stuff. It's more, you know, your John Hughes, you know, pretty in pink, sixteen candles film soundtrack sort of thing. Uh you know, you eighties pop with you know, that really yep. glossy sheen to it. Um, but it seems like um your work you've done like in addition to like working with M eighty three and Daft Punk, like you've done so much like work in in the action realm um was was that also like sort of like because like it seems like electronic music has been slowly but surely like finding its way into like the action orchestral scores over the last decade really strongly
1: and, that, and that's a great point because I think you know one thing to remember about film music that I always tell um if it uh, tell students if I'm speaking at usc or somewhere is that you know, directors um, want their films to be unique. No director ever makes a movie saying, oh, this movie's just like that other movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, every <laughs> filmmaker or at least the filmmakers worth working with, you know, have these visions and, and, and these ideas and a style and aesthetic and a, and a goal. And, um, you, you know, one, one important thing as a film composer is to be able to bring an equally unique vision to the table you know we started off this interview talking about style and and you know another thing it took me a long time to learn um that i really enjoy enjoy doing now is you know when a director approaches me to talk about a a film whether the film is shot or or is going to be shot in in two years it kind of doesn't matter It's, it's like what is your vision for the film and then how do i help delineate that stylistically on my end so um for instance, you, you know, uh, a movie that comes to mind, uh, you know, only the brave, third film of, of Joe Kaczynski, who's a, who's, a, who's a visionary director. who I love working with. But you know, one of the big things he brought to the table was to talk about talk about sonically was first of all how important guitars are because that these guys had guitars and would play guitars and the music they loved was guitar driven. Um, and I'm not a guitarist so all of a sudden I had to learn (laughs) all about the guitar and work with guitar players and figure out how to form textures but another thing is you know the the firehouse that these firemen were in you know that was a movie about firemen was uh, like just put together with like corrugated like metal you know the outside is like this sheet metal, this corrugated metal so you know the idea of what does that sound like musically so we were talking about Dobros and like these metal guitars you know so it's, it's interesting you know not Every idea you have, or not every inspiration you have, is going to lead you to down the right path to something successful. Um, but the, the but but the important but it's important nonetheless because you're starting from a place of creativity rather than uh, you know uh, building on the shoulders of of some other idea. You know, so I think every project you take on, you can you know. So I think to get back to your question about, you know, why do action scores have these sounds now is exactly that, you know, even, even if, you know, I feel like even when Michael Bay is making, you know, the 18th transformers, you know, (laughs) it's like, what, what is happening here? What is the new thing happening here that we could build upon? You know? Um, and I think it's especially important when you look at sequels actually is to, you know, you know, say, Hey, we have something already successful going, but if we just did that again, how boring would that be? You know, how do we approach this, um, with, with a renewed sense of artistry.
0: It's really interesting. Cause you use the, the, the phrase like, it's different than like building on the shoulders of other ideas, but that also seems to be like something that you're, you're, your talents lend themselves to because I, I, I think about movies like uh, like as seemingly disparate as like Straight Out of Compton, which is you know an NWA biopic, but also The Greatest Showman, which is also technically kind of a biopic, I guess if you think about it. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. like one is like an out and out musical, but the other is also like Straight Out of Compton. You know, is like the, the music is the message in that film. Um, and I'm, I'm curious as to like, like I've talked with other composers and things about like working like, I talked with Timothy Williams about, um, like working on like Deadpool or guardians of the galaxy, like where you have like a lot of needle drops built into those films. Um, and he talked about like the, the necessity of like matching like tone and key and things like that. But these are movies where like your score is like there's already like like a wall of music in these and I'm curious <laughs> as to how you how you work within those constraints to like complement and contrast.
1: Well I think one of the important things that I you know kind of goes back to the original question we were talking about about collaboration and that's something that I feel strongly about that I bring something to the table where I am looking at the whole picture. I'm not just thinking. Oh, this is where my score begins, and this is where my score ends. It's like no, 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 no. It's important to think about the entire soundtrack as a whole, as a whole, and I even mean sound effects. You know, like Steven Spielberg famously said, "You know, sound is you know 50 percent of a movie," and he's right. You know, you most movies, most good movies, you could close your eyes, listen to them, and know exactly what's going on, even without dialogue. You know, and that's so. It's it's really important that you know, for for me uh, personally, the way I work and for my aesthetic, you know, is for me to be fully aware of the entire Sonic picture. And that means soundtrack. That means songs, regardless of are there, is there one song or are there 50 songs? You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like to be aware of, And then also kind of w- w- with straight out of Compton, you know, to be aware of what the true star of the movie is. The true star of that movie is the music. So, you know, it becomes even more important for me to understand my role in a film like that. So, to talk about straight out of Compton for a second, you know, like it was really, I, I had some friends say to me when, when news broke that I was going to do that film. <laughs> my friends said, Oh, great, you're going to write a hip hop score. And I said, No, uh-huh. <laughs> Just, I'm not writing anything to do with hip hop next to the king of hip hop. Dr. Dre, or not even the king, the emperor, the, like, beyond king, you know, like, one of the most important people in hip-hop ever, so, you know, I'm not going to do anything to... uh, uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to compliment that. I'm going to write music that fills in the blanks, you know, and so for for me, you know, hip-hop is all about bravado and energy and excitement, um, confidence, but you know what we were able to achieve in that biopic is you know we looked at the humanity of these these artists as people, and so that's where the score came in. The score was able to underline the the moments of of of, uh, of humanity and 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 uh, and weakness that we all have. You know, I was able to score the parts of the movie that just couldn't be gonna be scored with hip hop, so to speak. Um, and then and then Greatest Show, you know, that was, that was so much fun for me because I think too, my involvement with that film was really full circle because I started on that film very early before it was greenlit and helped come up with some of the earliest demos of the song. So I kind of helped, I helped Pask and Paul develop the language of that music so that, you know, we kind of launched the film together, um, you, you know, with those early demos. And then I came back in later in the process to help to help unify the score and the songs together and do final production and kind of unifying the tone of that film. So that was really exciting for me too, and I felt like a great <laughs> uh, really rewarding experience because I got to work with you know those incredible songwriters. Um, I got to work with John Debney, one of my musical heroes, a legend in, in, in film scoring. Um, and, and Michael Gracie I think he's an incredible filmmaker so it's really you know I have to pinch myself because uh, uh, I, because of the little skill set I have this this kid from New Jersey you know like I have this little skill set I've, I've I've built I've, I oftentimes find myself in these really unique situations um, that you know your quote-unquote average film composer you know you'd be pressed to find them in that situation because you know that's not necessarily that the, the skill set you're told to have when you become a film composer you know so I just have this uh, you know what is it like Liam Neeson says talking about action movies, that movies. I have a particular set of skills <laughs> um, you know so it's really fun it's really great
0: um, two of the films you've worked on one uh, the the live action Lady and the Tramp is based on a film that already you know like has a very like notable score by Oliver Wallace like you know like Bellanote is like one of those like Disney classics um and then like The Raid Redemption had a score for the um like the original release um in Indonesia and I don't think I've ever spoken with anybody who's had to create scores for films that already essentially had them. Like, I mean, I'm assuming with lady and the tramp, they could have just, you know, reused that. And I know, I know to some extent, like you worked some of those original themes in on lady and the tramp, but like, what is it like to have to go through and like completely rescore a movie? in the case of, like, The Raid, where there already was extant music?
1: Oh, well, that's a that, that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll answer them separately, because they're very, both are obviously very different um, scenarios. For, so for Lady and the Tramp, for instance, you know, um, you're right, legendary music. I mean, how do you, quote-unquote, rescore, you know, uh, a cinematic achievement like the original Lady and the Tramp? Um, and it kind of ties into something else we spoke about earlier, which is, like, this creative intent I guess that's a way of, of putting it. What is the creative intention behind remaking Lady and the Tramp? And that's something that, you know, Charlie and I, uh, Charlie Bean, the, the director who I've known for a very long time now, that's something we spoke about right away because, you know, we didn't want to fall into the trap of, oh, we're remaking a movie because we can No, we wanted to, we wanted to establish, and Charlie, and all due respect to Charlie, all credit due to Charlie, Charlie wanted to establish this for everything about the film. Why are we making this film now? And and the reason um, for redoing this film now musically was because we wanted to dig deeper into the original intention of why the story was being told. So, for instance, the 1955 version of Lady and the Tramp takes place at the same time as our newer version. Our, new, our the, the story takes place in the teens, around 1910. 1915 somewhere like that Mm -hmm. and um you know if you watch the original film and you listen to the score you listen to the songs the actual quality of the music is very (laughs) 1950s
0: you've got and and and, 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 and,
1: and, which is great and 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 fantastic it's like a little time capsule into the 50s but we said no if we're going to retell this story again you know if if we're going to retell this story let's let's dive deep into the music of the actual time period. And so what that led to was, you know, uh, looking into the music of New Orleans, black American music, early jazz, you know, so all of a sudden, um, you know, something that could have been just kind of this, you know, warmed over microwaved, you know, lady in the tramp music to, you know, to us became something that had true intent and, and, and true direction. Um, Same thing the score. So for instance, we're talking about both score and songs, both score and songs, you know, had that intent of, you know, looking at that popular music of the 1910s. Um, but then also even for the score, we said, okay, so for ladies character, she's this upper, upper middle class character. She's trained, you know, she has a family, you know, she has, she has all these things, um, you know, that, that, that hint at like being upper middle class, you know, where does that music come from? And we said, Oh, well, you know, classical music is very formal, very, very trained, very, you know, what, where, what was the classical music like at the time? So we, you know, we went back digging deep into like classical American music, Americana, that sort of thing. And then what's exciting is the way these two things met in the score. So what wound up happening is Tramp's character was driven by that early American jazz, that, um, the music of New Orleans. He improvises, he, you know, he's fast on his feet. Very joyous, but he's untrained. You know, he's 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 not. He doesn't necessarily read (laughs) music. You know, he's making it up as he goes along. You know, and whereas Lady, you know, she comes from a more refined, you know, school of thought. But when these two characters meet and start their lives start to intertwine, same too for their music. You know, so all of a sudden, as you as they meet on this dinner date, you know, this music starts to starts to weave together and create to me the real a real exciting thing about our new score is that, you know, that, that the music is an integral part of the storytelling process. Um, and I think that, you know, honestly, if you if we were to point out one thing, which gets me excited about going to the studio each day is exactly that, is that music can be, uh, can have true intention behind it, can be a part of the storytelling process. And if you set that up right, um, you know, it, it could really enhance the movie. And so I feel really strongly that we were able to do that on Lady and the Tramp. So that was exciting. I think if I was to, to talk about the raid, you know, that's a whole different can of worms. <laughs> the, the funny thing about the raid was, you know, we came in, Mike Shinoda and I came in, you know, as kind of a way to spruce up the movie for American audiences. You know, mm-hmm. the film was done. Sony said, hey, we want to do something cool that we're bringing this to the U.S., let's, you know, let's do a cool score idea. And, you know, like it, it it's never, it's never a, 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 great day when you, you, you replace another composer's work, you know, cause it, it really is a brotherhood or, you know, obviously brotherhood, sister, family, is a family of musicians, of, of artists. And, you know, you want to respect each other. So, you know, it was really important for me to just say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to the old score, but we're just going to do this from scratch on our own and and just see what happens and i think one of the most rewarding things to happen you know first of all i have a great friendship and relationship with mike shinoda now he's an incredible artist and i've and we've worked together since and it's it's been such a pleasure to do that um but then i actually have a great relationship with the original composers that we replaced because at one point at in sundance you know uh gareth uh gareth gareth evans our filmmaker was asked hey you know, your, your film scored twice What's your, which one's your favorite that's always funny because they're asking this right in front of me I'm like wait, wait I'm right here um, and Gareth said you know I, I love them both I think, I think there are bits of each that my perfect score would be bits and pieces of both put together well guess what we get to the Raid 2 Mike unfortunately is too busy working on an album and Gareth says hey Joe would you work with my original Indonesian composers on the sequel I said that sounds fun that sounds great so they flew to LA. They got an Airbnb about ten minutes from my house, and every day for a month, we worked together in the score. Gareth would come over in the, in the evening. Um, he was editing um, at another Airbnb down the street, and we would have been we you know the composers. We'd be, we the three of us had been working together all day on the score, and it was it was some of the most fun I've ever had because he, 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 you know a lot of times people tell me like Joe you know why do you do all these collaborations Your film composer, you know, just establish your own solo voice. And you know what I say to them, I have done that. You could listen to my solo scores, but I said, for, for me not to, for me to turn down the, the opportunity to work with these cool people and to collaborate, <laughs> you know, like that's ridiculous. I, I love the idea of collaborating with others. So, you know, I think, um, you know, that's such a great, so both those stories are really great stories of collaboration, of, of, of this effort of, of working together to, um, to make music music a uh, real uh, in uh, part of the storytelling.
0: So when we when we first started uh, talking, you were talking about how like you, you know you're still working along and uh, you just had uh, coffee and Kareem came out on Netflix a little bit ago. Um, like what other things are you working on now? Like as as you're you know. Uh, uh, quarantined in your studio. <laughs>
1: um, so, uh, just starting up on, on Shadow and Bone, which, which is really exciting um, because it's a, an incredible uh, mythology, you know, built by Lee Bardugo, the author, and now it's just being made into a series by an incredible writer uh, named Eric Heisser, who, who he's, he's fantastic. It's been incredible working with him, and I think it's another, you know, the last few months of developing the sound of, of this of this show has been, you know, exactly that, like creative intent behind the musical storytelling, you know, like what is the sound of this universe and building that sound so that, um, you know, we could have a unified, uh, a unified, uh, thematic sound for, for the entire show. I think, I think it's very easy for us as composers to get trapped into, especially when scoring episodically, you know, say, okay, two weeks, one episode, two weeks. the Next episode, two weeks. This episode, and you know, inevitably, you get into this grinding schedule. But for me, it's really important that we look at the whole picture. That we come in uh, into into the we come into the process and and really just look at uh, what the author and what the writer are intending to say, and we build the music from that standpoint, um, which is hard to do if you're just looking at deadlines. <laughs> so it's been incredible, you know, working on that uh i'm i'm about to record a movie called Finding Ohana which is a really great uh beautiful amblin style movie not an amblin movie but just the you know in that classic you know 80s types of of adventure movie uh uh it's for Netflix uh it's it's directed by Jude Wang who's a really incredible filmmaker it's her first feature but she's directed a lot of tv and she brings an incredible sensibility to the table that it's just been um uh so rewarding working with her so you know i see i'm counting my lucky stars you know knock down wood that you know a lot of my projects went into post-production earlier (laughs) this year so you know have been able to stay busy during the lockdown
0: well sir i appreciate you so much taking time out of your day to talk to me this has been like really really delightful Thanks to Joseph Trapanese for talking with me. His website is JoeComposer.com, and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at joecomposer. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at FromAnInspiredBy.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at FromInspiredPod, and can be found on Instagram at FromAnInspiredBy. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please click those follow and subscribe buttons. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Due to the fact that this episode was super late, we will be back in just a few days, on Monday of next week, talking with Joe Escalante and Warren Fitzgerald from punk band The Vandals about the music of Glory Days and their appearance in the Penelope Spheris cult classics Dudes in Suburbia. Until then, thanks for listening.